0: Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani, and this show is brought to you by Navman. Now, I have to tell you guys, I have a friend of mine who uh, has let me down. I jumped in his car the other day and I noticed he had a new dash cam, and it wasn't a Navman. And I was devastated. But there's a couple of things I want to quickly point out here. And it kind of gave me a bit of a look into some consumers' heads. I said to him, How did you decide to get this particular brand? He said, well, I walked into a store and it looked like a good model. I said, have you seen the footage of what it can capture? No, I haven't. Have you seen the footage of what it can capture since you've installed it in your car? No, I haven't. Do you know how to get the footage off your camera now that it's installed and if something should happen? No, I haven't. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm asking, whatever brand you decide to buy, please, at the very, very least, do some research into a purchase. Yes, dash cams don't cost a lot of money, but trust me, they will cost you far more in effort and time if the footage is hard to get from the camera or completely unusable when you do so. If you have an accident or something happens and you've captured it on your dash cam, you should be wanting to make sure you can make out the number plate the make the model of the car that was involved in the scenario or what the person looked like or any kind of detail that would matter in the case of reporting it to an insurer or even to the police. Now, the MyView 150 safety is a dash cam at $169 recommended retail price with a full HD camera it's got gps tagged video the night mode or the night sensing is fantastic and it's important to have very good not just day modes but night modes and they use this wide dynamic range on on these cameras we're talking about their base model camera here where even in dark conditions you will still get a very good picture it's not going to just rely on the headlights what the headlights can see even outside of that field of view as well so i just encourage you to at least Go on YouTube, watch some dash cam footage of the model that you're looking at buying. Go and go it doesn't have to be from me or from Navman. Go and have a look at Dash Cams Australia, for example. Look at the models that are used in those scenarios and pause it. See if you could make out a number plate or the make and model of a car. Do some research before you make that purchase. Yes, it's not a lot of money up front, but trust me, when something happens, it's very, very important. Um, I know this has been a very, very long intro to the show. Let's get on with the program. But anyway. Head to you have a look at their entire range, and uh, just don't be like my mate who had no idea about the thing he's just bought and just got it installed for no reason whatsoever. Let's get on with the show. Jeff Quattromani, multi-Australian from Sydney. Tech expert, Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani, thank you very much from Sydney. Jeff Quattromani is here. And now it's time to talk technology with Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. What the heck? Let's talk tech. And good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whenever it is that you are listening to Australia's number one podcast. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, We have a lot to talk about tonight, uh, today, this morning, and it's going to be around Apple, a little bit around back to school, a little bit about ChatGPT. There is so much and it's been crazy, you know, coming back from CES and you kind of think, awesome. Things will just calm down a little bit. I can unpack my bag properly and get into the swing of things, uh, catch up on my, my my day job. And then ev- almost every day since, since then, I've had a, either a camera crew here or I've gone to do TV segments, uh, Sunrise, Channel 10 News, and even Studio 10 Today. And I'll touch on a little bit of all of those segments now because I think it actually reflects a lot about what we're about to talk about. Um, with Channel with 10 news, we talked about Chat GPT and its impact on students and education, and I can't wait to dive into that a little bit later in the show today as well. With Sunrise, it was very much about home security cameras. you know if you're going back to work, you're I'm guessing you're coming back from holidays, um, who's keeping an eye on your home? How are you going to keep an eye on your home? Who's at the front door? Um, really focused on those sort of things and that was fun. and uh, and then today with Studio 10, it was purely back to school you know, back to school tech from laptops to everything else. And it actually um, dovetails in really quickly into my first news story. But before I do, I should cover off the formalities. Um, Today, I've got a glass of Mr. Riggs, McLaren Val Shiraz. Um, I don't remember how this bottle ended up in my cellar. I don't know if it was given to me. I don't remember buying it. Um, but when I look on the Dan Murphy's website, it's around $49, which I'm surprised by because it's not worth that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm enjoying it, but I'm not enjoying it as much as I should be if it was actually purchased for $49. So here's my feedback. Lovely red wine, if you can find it at half the price. So if you see Mr. Riggs, McLaren Val Shiraz, and it's at that $20 to $30 mark, grab a bottle. You'll enjoy it. If it's $50, uh-uh. Maybe jump for a St. Hugo or something like that, which would be where I would go at $50. Um, and I mentioned this back to school uh, concept and this, this segment that I was doing with Studio 10, and it was literally a spur of the moment type segment. But one of the things that we didn't cover, and I, I obviously encourage you to go to my Facebook or Instagram page and you can watch the entire segment front to back. The one thing that we didn't cover was the use of tags. And I don't mean name tags, I mean Apple Air tags or tiles. And if you've got um, you know, a son or daughter going to school and they're a little bit forgetful, and it could be of anything, there is obviously the Apple AirTags that we've spoken about at length, but the, the Tile ecosystem is one that I have been using for a very long time and still recommend to this day. They come in many different shapes and sizes, and that gives it a huge advantage over the Apple AirTag, which just comes in that sort of disc format that you can potentially put a key ring on or something similar. But Tile can come into something that looks like a business card, so it can go into your wallet. Um, they have very small units that you can actually just glue onto the bottom of something, maybe even a drink bottle or something like that. But obviously, keeping one in their backpack to make sure they never lose their bag, an amazing thing that you should be doing with your kids to make sure they just don't lose stuff, especially if they carry a laptop Again, you can actually stick, there's adhesive tiles that you can stick to a laptop. And if you imagine sticking that to the lid, um, it won't look that weird, but certainly it would pay off if, you, um, if, they, if they were to misplace them. And I just think that's important. Now, the reason I start with that as well is because there's news this week that Google will actually be coming in with their own competitor in this space. Tile obviously works on Android and Apple devices, and they start from about $20 or dollars. Whereas the Apple AirTag only works with the iPhone or iOS devices. You can't get an AirTag connected to your Android smartphone to set it up and things like that. And that's a huge disadvantage and actually is very limiting on Apple's behalf. But if Google come into the pl- into this play, you can pretty much guarantee it's going to work on both. Um, and if they do that, I think that could be a really good move by Google. I hope it does come in different shapes and sizes compared to what Apple have done with their AirTag. And I actually hope that they have an answer for the button battery problem. Um, And those who don't know, the Apple AirTag has a back casing, which with a simple twist can be unlocked and the button battery can easily pop out. And if your kids were to put that in their mouths and swallow it, it can be fatal. And the ACCC has issued warnings around this um some retailers pulled them off shelves and don't sell them then they only sell the accessories to the airtag now uh, and it's a real shame because once it actually is inside one of the accessories like a keyring holder or similar it actually makes it much more difficult to take the back door off without taking it out of the keyring holder in the first place With Tile, they have got a button battery, or most of them do have a button battery as well. But it actually is does require a bit of skill and finesse to open that casing and get the button battery out. For example, when you take that back door off, there's also another clip inside to make sure it doesn't immediately fall out. So it's harder, and that keeps the Tile a little bit safer in that sense. So if Google does decide to go down that path, I genuinely hope that they make them safe. Um, But obviously, for both ecosystems, that would be an amazing move. On their behalf. Now, Apple this week were interesting because they had a number of announcements minus an event. I even got invited to a briefing with Apple um, to actually talk about something I can't talk about until when you're hearing this, it would be Friday. Um, But I'm not going to put it in the show because it wasn't that significant of, of an announcement. But the things that they did announce outside of what I was briefed on were kind of things that could have been folded into an event a new home pod is coming to market february 3rd the new home pod will be available now those who don't know apple tried making a smart speaker many years ago and it was a decently sized speaker uh, one that would probably be enough for room filling sound you could easily put it in your room but it was only supported by apple's voice assistant and while the sound of the device was good I think it was priced around six hundred odd dollars when it first came to market, so it was expensive, and it meant you only had the choice of the one voice assistant, and that was limiting because the Apple one, you know, Siri, she's not that great. Um, the Google or Amazon voice assistant is far better, far more skilled, and far more integrated with things than than Siri is. Now the new one has made some changes. One. It's coming in at a much lower price, four hundred and seventy nine dollars, which is so good to hear um, that the price has now changed. Um, you will now actually be able to link them to your Apple TV. so if you've got even two of them, for example, you can actually use them as left and right speakers for your Apple TV, which could be a nice way of improving the the sound in your home. But what's also been announced as well is that it will now support matter, and this is a great thing because it means that Apple is actually starting to consider the wider ecosystem. And that means that any smart device in your home that is part of the Matter ecosystem will be able to work with the HomePod. And that means that you'll be able to ask Siri to you know, control your smart lights, whether it is Apple HomeKit supported or not, it just needs to be Matter supported. And that would be more in the majority of gadgets than the minority. And that just means that Apple is starting to embrace the smart home without necessarily having this walled garden effect. So while the HomePod announcement is interesting, the fact that they're supporting Matter is actually a bigger deal. And that's starting off with the HomePod, but we just need to now wait and see how that does extend into all of their other devices. Because let's face it, Their iPhone, iPad, um, Apple TV, and so on also need to become part of this to make sure that that experience doesn't just live within the HomePod, that that smart home experience can extend onto every Apple device. So, a good move. I'm fascinated to hear how this speaker sounds, given that they've effectively taken $200 out of the price. Um, What have they removed from a hardware perspective to get to that point? Um, It's not normal for Apple products to come down in price. There is obviously the HomePod Mini. Um, already available it's a much smaller speaker definitely more of just a voice assistant type speaker whereas this one is um, definitely more about you know bigger sound music and obviously now television so that will be interesting again at 479 it's important to understand a couple of other things when i look at smart speakers the one thing that will still grab my attention is the sonos one and You've heard me talk about Sonos 100,000 times, but the Sonos One is an incredible smart speaker that actually allows you to choose the Google or Amazon voice assistant. The sound out of the Sonos One is exceptional, and you're looking at $315, dollars 320 dollars for that. It's probably due for an update. It's, it's definitely probably just as old as the original HomePod now, so I would expect or anticipate there's an update coming in this particular speaker as well. But at three hundred and fifteen dollars, you would need something serious in the HomePod to justify that extra hundred, hundred and fifty dollars. Especially given the fact that with the Sonos speaker, you do get that choice of the Google or Amazon voice assistant. So, you know, I think that's an important consideration. Yes, there are other brands that um, that support it as well, or that you could be considering. But my mind immediately goes there. I, I love. Um, the Sonos Ones that we have in our home. They sound so good. They've got an amazing tuning function for the room that it goes in. Um, and the microphones are actually exceptional. So from a voice assistant standpoint, it does a really good job. So that's the first part. Um, I need a quick sip. And then we're going to talk about what else Apple announced. And then we're going to talk a little bit about um, chat GPT and what on earth is actually happening at the moment. It's, it's kind of full on. Now today on Studio 10, we had this back to school uh, segment and I had two laptops in the segment and I don't like to overdo it with anything for one part of a segment where I was just talking about you know upgrading your computer. And I had a Chromebook from Asus on there and it's a $400 laptop, rugged, everything you would need just as a basic computer to do your Google Docs, slides and stuff. And it's $400, it's kind of nuts. I also had the LG Gram. Uh, in the segment, which is just a super light, super thin, but high-performing laptop, and it's it's really one of those things that you probably don't appreciate till so you try and actually pick it up and you realize how light it actually is. Now, as you would know, um, my daily driver for work is a Lenovo. That's a very corporate laptop. And then when I record this podcast and uh, when I travel and things like that, I take my MacBook Pro. Um, so I play in I play in both camps. Okay, Apple have announced, and again. This is something that they probably would have had normally as part of an event. New MacBook Pro and new Mac Mini. Now, the Mac Mini is certainly one of those niche products that some people tend to buy if they really want a desktop, but don't want an all-in-one desktop. Um, it's kind of a, and I don't know anyone who has a Mac Mini, but they must sell them because they continue to make them. But the MacBook Pro has been a, almost a go-to device if you're somebody who wants anything above a MacBook Air because that's where it sits it's either pro or air i don't i feel like they kind of need something in between because i always feel like the macbook pro is very much a video editing audio editing image editing machine and then the macbook air is for students and there's nothing really in between about for dabblers maybe people who just dabble a little bit in audio or dabble a little bit in whatever and don't need all that extra performance but they do want something a bit better than the macbook air anyway There's a new MacBook Pro out and at 14 and 16 inch, it's now featuring the M2 Pro and M2 Max chips. Now I say these M acronyms, Apple make their own chips now. You know, in the past we were talking about Apple computers with Intel chips. That's no longer the case. It's it's an Apple vertical now and it's kind of insane how they have this, but here we are. Again, available Friday, February 3rd. There is There is a bit of a weird anomaly going on here that they either couldn't get an event together or these were products that were meant to be announced last year, um, but for whatever reason, were not ready. And I find it fascinating. And what was interesting, I think there was one of the videos that was um, made available on the Apple website that when you watch it, if you look at the URL, you can see parts of the URL that indicate 2022. And it kind of insinuates that these videos were created last year, ready to deploy last year, but for whatever reason, they've held it back. Um, Maybe it was manufacturing, maybe it was shipping, distribution, I don't know, but this has certainly been held back. Now, the MacBook Pro 16-inch will run for 22 hours. The 14-inch model will run for 18 hours. These are both upgrades from previous models by about an hour on each side. They say that they can do rendering and things like that 80% faster. Um, 20% faster than the previous generation and things like that. I mean, whenever they do these 20%, 80%, 60% faster, okay. I mean, it's very difficult to do that kind of comparison. It's very difficult for somebody to say, oh, well, in that case, that means my work would be 80% faster. Not necessarily. It's whatever test they decide to run that's specific to that example. The new laptops also support Wi-Fi 6E, which is fantastic. It's about twice as fast as the previous generation. Again, they're speeds that you'll notice on internal traffic, not necessarily speeds that you'll notice to the Internet. So it doesn't mean your Internet will be faster because let's face it, your Wi-Fi speed is usually faster than your Internet speed. But if you've got any internal traffic happening, maybe that's between your MacBook and a server or a network-connected storage, whatever it could be, that, pe- that performance will be improved through Wi-Fi 6E. Again, also making sure you've got a Wi-Fi 6E router. Otherwise, you can't speak the same language. Um, they've got advanced HDMI now to do 8K displays. So if you're somebody who's fortunate enough to have an 8K display, you can now connect that to your new MacBook Pro. Um, I mean, why not? it's just well why not you can now have up to ninety six gigabytes of memory On the M2 Max model. Um, I mean, this thing is going to be a powerhouse, an absolute powerhouse. What is exciting is it looks like they've upgraded the webcam built in to 1080p. It was 720 for a very, very long time. There's six speakers of sound built into this thing somehow. They also say they've got studio quality microphones in this. Not that anyone would actually use them beyond perhaps that random FaceTime call where they couldn't reach for their AirPods or something similar. Um, But it's all about the performance of this thing. It is literally a Workhorse, and the problem with that is that there's no in between for me. Um, if I were wanting to upgrade my MacBook Pro this year, which I'm not, but if I wanted to, when I look at the costs, I instantly get a bit nervous. The new MacBook Pro 14-inch, which I think is the perfect size, uh, with the M2 Pro starts at three thousand one hundred and ninety-nine dollars. The 16-inch MacBook Pro with M2 Pro processor starts at three thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine dollars. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Um if you're someone that's interested in the Mac mini, that starts at a thousand, then you add your monitor on top of that, which is kind of nice. Um, but far out, man, we're talking about a lot of cash for these laptops these days, and it has to make you start to wonder why am I doing that? That's a lot, a lot, a lot of money. So something to consider. if you're in the market for a new MacBook Pro, you've just got your answer of which one you probably should be getting. Um, if it's a business supported uh, purchase, that makes it much easier and simpler for you to enjoy. but Yeah, that's a lot of cash. It's a lot of cash. Now, after this, I want to talk real quick about ChatGPT. Yes, we spoke about on 10 News from an educational perspective. I'll touch on that. But I want to talk about what we're seeing in the news, in industry, about how ChatGPT is going to be used as well. Now, on on 10 News this week, we talked about ChatGPT in a sense of what's it going to do from an education point of view. And the example was simple. On camera, I typed in, write me a 600-word essay about the solar system. And in about 30 seconds, the cameraman filmed it. A beautiful essay was being written right in front of me about the solar system. It was very unique. I asked it again. It created another essay, slightly different wording, but answering questions about the solar system. And that immediately starts to make anybody wonder how our kids are going to be doing their homework or projects, or assignments in the future? And I answered it very simply in that, well, the fact of the matter is, no one cares who the first Australian Prime Minister was. If I don't know who that person is, I can Google it. And if you tell me to write an assignment about the first Australian Prime Minister, I might as well use ChatGPT because why not? But if you ask me to think creatively, or you ask me to challenge or debate or hypothesize about something the Australian prime minister did then maybe i can't go to chat gpt or google for that and i think this is where i feel we have gotten to when it comes to artificial intelligence is yes it can answer all the questions just like you could google something just like you could use a calculator to do maths for you what's the point in me figuring out manually how to multiply 5,721 by 52, if I can just type that into a calculator and get the answer. I know it sounds lazy, but it's not because why would I waste my time doing that? Why would I waste my time memorizing who the first Australian prime minister was? I believe it was actually Edmund Barton. But why would it matter? The questions we you need to be getting better at is what can we say and know and discuss that those tools can't? And that's where you realize that you have got value on this planet still that you're not going to be replaced by robots and ai because you have a brain and that brain can do creative things it can debate it can hypothesize it can think about stuff and that's where the difference is between ai and humans it's that simple and once you embrace that and you and as students or teachers you embrace that then it should change the way that assignments are done It shouldn't be a multiple choice exam to justify whether you're a smart kid or not. It should be, show me, think creatively, think critically. That is where the skill is because guess what? When you move into the corporate world or you start your own business, whatever it is, suddenly memorizing who who the first prime minister of Australia is has no value on your career, on your level of income or anything like that. Unless maybe you want to get into a politics I don't know, but you know what I'm saying. It doesn't matter as much. So this threat of ChatGPT is uh, is trivial. What's interesting is this: Brag Media is looking to trial artificially intelligence, oh, artificial intelligence, to generate content. The CEO insists that ChatGPT will not replace journo's. Now, I I'm not calling myself a journalist, but I have written for a number of major Australian newspapers such as The Australian, such as news.com.au or 7news.com or whatever. And I I guess I have done that. And it does easily make me wonder how easy it would be to get ChatGPT to potentially write you a news story. If ChatGPT was plugged into the live web, at the moment it's only got from... T- up until 2021. It hasn't got 2022 or 23 uh, information. But if it was a tool that you could say, write me a story about X and it started to generate that content or write me a story about the latest iPhone announcement and it could easily do that for you. Great. Get the journals to go and do investigative journalism, something that isn't on the internet, something that isn't easily rewritten and reproduced. The idea that ChatGPT could actually do a lot of this stuff is great. Because I'll tell you what, there's a number of websites out there. One of them is a guide to tech. You can reword that one. You'll know which website I'm talking about. Who will literally read a press release and write that as an article as if anyone cares. And if your skill set, your way of making money is to read a press release and rewrite it for your website, that is not a skill. If you have not replaced that with an AI tool... You might as well because you're wasting your time. What I would love to see journalism do is investigate things. Why did something happen? How did something happen? That is news. What happened? What was announced? That's not news. That can be done by AI. You shouldn't need to pay a journalist anything to do that. So if you don't know The Bragg, it's a group of publications. Ever heard of Boy Genius Report or BGR? I used to go there every day for tech news. Ever heard of Variety? Ever heard of Rolling Stone? The Hollywood Reporter? Like, huge publications, primarily based in the US. Yes, they're going to be using ChatGPT. Why wouldn't they? I feel that if you were to easily build a tool that ingests press releases into the tool, turns it into an article that sounds like it's been naturally written by a person, gets a quick gloss over by an actual journalist, and ticks the box and hits publish, you'll be able to generate more content, faster and that means you get more readers as well then you could get your journalists actually focus on investigative reporting which is once upon a time what journalism was about now i want to quickly go back into that topic around school because uh, again as part of that interview we did with with um, 10 news we talked about plagiarism or if an assignment was submitted using chat gpt could anybody know and it will be up to teachers to actually start to figure this part out. But the reality is, is that, yes, you can. There is a tool called GPT-0 and GPT-0 can ingest um, text. You can copy and paste it from a submitted essay or you can take it straight from Chat GPT, and it will actually go through it. And it's amazing how it goes through all of the words and it looks at A number of things to determine whether it sounds like it was generated by AI or a human being. Um, Some of those is a thing called perplexity, and it looks around the the way the language has been written and structured to, to ascertain whether it actually was written by a robot or a human being. And it gives you this kind of score, and it says, We think this one was AI generated, or we think this one was human generated. And then based on that, you can make your decision. I think you would have to have a threshold that says, Well, if it's a score above seven, on the robot scale, we're going to call you out on it um, and make you rewrite it or whatever it is. But if it's below that, then we're going to have to assume that you actually wrote it. I mean, there has to be some level of decorum in that because you can't you can't take a piece of that and Google it and realize that it was completely copied and pasted from another website. ChatGPT actually rewrites content to make it feel like it's naturally your own words. So GPT-0 will certainly help teachers uh, in this discussion. But at the same time, I also think that teachers need to start thinking about using ChatGPT to help create content or teaching materials or whatever it is. Use it to your own advantage. Save yourself time. How are you going to ask the internet questions and get answers better for yourself so that you can teach the students in the classroom better? Yeah, you're just looking at that textbook and going, okay, today we're starting on chapter four, kids. Turn your textbooks to chapter four. Let's go from paragraph one. That 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 that's what I did when I was in school. It was a nightmare. We worked through a maths textbook over the course of twelve months, and then that was it. You assumed you had learned what you needed to learn, and you moved on. We can't do that anymore. So this is good. This challenges education for a good reason. It makes teachers work a little bit harder or think a little bit differently, and hopefully, it actually gets students out of the weeds on trying to memorize who the first Australian prime minister is. And I completely apologise for that example being repeated so many times, but it's the one thing. That tends to resonate with people when I've been doing radio and whatnot uh this week. And it's been a lot of it. It's been an insane week. It's been a busy one. Um Charlie Brown has been away and that meant uh me doing a lot of his radio spots, two G B, three AW, four B C, six PR. Um my Saturdays are, are dominated with that now as well, which I've loved. We've had some amazing interviews on that show as well and um, you know, T V has been a very big part of the week, whether it's sunrise, studio ten or whatnot. So things are getting busier rather than slowing down. I thought CES was going to be that big tipping point and I have a bit of a rest after that, but I think it's still to come. So that's the news for this week. That's my thoughts this week. I feel like I've bunched it into half an hour. Thank you for listening. I will speak to you again next Thursday night or morning, your morning, my morning, your night, whenever it is you choose to listen. This is Technology Uncorked. Goodbye.